we've been in this series in Matthew where we've been going through verse by verse, been talking about the different uh, aspects of Matthew and how he is, he's more, than a, he's more than a book of the Bible. Matthew's a real person who walked with Jesus, saw Jesus up close and personal, and is being very careful to give us a detailed account of what it looks like to follow Jesus, to experience Jesus up close and personal. And that's what he's doing. It's, it's so much more than a story. And he's helping us understand it because Matthew wants us to understand something really, really important, that there is a kingdom that is the real kingdom. And it's better even than Chief's Kingdom, okay? It's, it's, I know, I know it's hard to believe, Kansas City. It's even better than Chief's Kingdom. It's certainly better than your kingdom. It's the kingdom of God, and it is the real kingdom. And it's the kingdom of the heart. It's the kingdom of the heart. And that's what Matthew is, is helping us understand as he's walking through the teachings of Jesus. And it's absolutely blowing our mind. It's fantastic. We've been doing this since the beginning of the year. If you've missed any of these messages, I want to encourage you to go online, check them out. Uh, but they're very, very helpful. Today, I want to talk about um, our next chapter. We're Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus is going to be talking about the most important thing about you. All right. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. The most important thing about you. It's pretty important. More than your eye color, although you have very pretty eyes. Um, more than your hair color, although you have great hair. Um, more than your nationality, more than your ethnicity, more than where you were born, or even more than where you live. The most important thing about you is what Matthew's going to be talking about today, is what Jesus is talking about, Matthew's recording, and it is your heart. It's your heart. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite movies, Batman Begins. Come on. How many of you love Batman Begins? Okay, it literally changed the superhero genre. If you guys go way back, Christopher Nolan did a phenomenal job. It's a little dark, but it's appropriate because he is the Dark Knight. And uh, there's a scene in the beginning where he's learning from Ra's al Ghul. Turns out we had no idea it was Ra's al Ghul, but he's training Batman AKA Bruce Wayne on how to fight, how to, how to hand-to-hand combat. And it's, we don't even know, somewhere in China, it's Asia somewhere, and they're on this lake, and they're on, it's ice, it's an ice lake. You guys remember this scene? Anybody ever see that movie? Okay, it's, isn't it awesome? And they're fighting, they got like little, little arm things, he's learning how to use little arm things, and you're like, oh, that's where the arm things came from, came from the lake in Asia, you're like, oh, that's so cool. And then, so they're fighting, and then Bruce Wayne falls through the ice, right? It's terrible, tragic. And then he gets pulled up out of the ice, and Ra's al Ghul tells him, rub your chest, and the arms will take care of themselves. Do you guys remember that? Has anybody ever thought that in the middle when it's really cold outside, and you're like, man, I just mean to do that. Like, I just, Ra's al Ghul. (laughs) Am I the only one who's ever done this? (laughs) I don't know if it works, okay? I don't even know if it works. But the point is this. Take care of your heart, and everything will take care of itself. That's the idea. And you know what? That's true physically. The heart turns out, I'm not a medical professional, but I Googled it. (laughs) The heart is pretty important. According to the Center for Health Protection, it says this. It supports your life by continuously pumping blood to every organ in your body. If your heart is unable to function properly, your organs will not receive the oxygen and nutrients they need, and their function will be greatly affected, even resulting in death. So pretty important. The heart is pretty important. And 
And we spend, now here's what's interesting. I thought, I thought about this. We spend so much money on so many other things. Like how much money have you spent on your heart? Like this year, I mean, think about that for a second. Isn't that crazy? How much money have you spent on your heart? How, how much focus have you given to the health of your heart? You know, maybe when you're in the grocery store and like you chose to get Cheerios instead of Raisin Bran, which turns out has a ton of sugar in it. Public service announcement. Do not think that it's healthy. You think Raisin Bran's healthy? Look at the sugar, guys. Look at the nutrition labels. But maybe you went for that because you saw the little heart on the Cheerios box and you're like, I'm gonna, maybe you did that, but like to what extent? Now let me ask you this. How much money have you spent on every other part of your body? Your hair, <laughs> your ladies' makeup, clothes, you know, but how much time have we spent giving attention to our heart? It's the most important thing about us physically, but it is infinitely and eternally more so important spiritually. Fix your heart and everything will take care of itself. Get, get your heart right and everything else will be right. You can, you can do all kinds of things, but if you don't get your heart right, you're gonna be flawed at the most basic of level. I was thinking about it, it's like this, the new iPhone 15 came out, titanium. I don't even know why that's so cool, but apparently it's so cool, because it's titanium. I mean, they keep advertising it when you see the commercials. Titanium, titanium, titanium. I don't know, is that like extra tough or something? Is it like, like bulletproof? I don't know why titanium is important, but they're advertising titanium. But it's like having the new iPhone 15 with a giant camera that basically is better than cinema with all of the memory that you can you know, fit into that thing. It's like getting all of that just looks good, takes great pictures, but if the software is corrupted, if the, if the software is off, it doesn't matter how great the pixels are. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter. If your heart is wrong, if your heart is flawed, it doesn't matter how great everything else is in your life, you will be flawed at the most basic of level, and it will not be long until everything goes sideways. Can I get an amen? And that's what Matthew is helping us understand in Matthew chapter 13, all right? So turn in your Bibles. If you have your phones, open up to Matthew chapter 13. I wanna, I wanna look at these verses. It, Jesus is helping us understand the most important thing about us is our heart. You get your heart right, everything else is right. The most important thing about you, if you're ready to jump in, say am. All right, verse one of chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. All right, now that same day, what, what, this is Matthew's way of tying in what is about to happen in the next few verses to what just happened in the previous verses. So what happened in the previous verses, if you've been paying attention, you've been following along, you're like, Scott, you skipped the last few verses of Matthew chapter 12. Well, they tie so well into this little uh, theme of chapter 13. Let me just summarize this, a little bit of homework for you, okay? So you can read the end of chapter 12 on your own. Basically what it says, it talks about um, spirits. Jesus is talking about spirits being cleaned out and being swept up. Basically he's talking about trying to clean yourself up on your own trying to make yourself clean by yourself. And then he, then he kind of almost disses his biological family. But what he's doing there is saying this, don't put your hope in how clean you can make your life 
or even who your family is because that's not what is important. What is important is where your heart is centered. Where is your security found? What makes you feel safe? What makes you feel strong? This is, this is so important that Jesus is going to take the next several verses and he's going to drive this home. Because if you think that what makes you safe and what makes you strong is how great you are, then when you're not doing great, you don't feel so great. Or if it's about what your pedigree is or your background, you'll be a snob if you come from a good background. Or you'll feel like a scrub if you don't. Either way, what Jesus is trying to do is to keep us from those extremes. He's trying to get us to understand that what makes you strong, that what makes you secure, what makes you right with God, what brings fruit into your life is not your performance, but your heart. That's different than religion, isn't it? So that's what he ends up, that's how he ends chapter 12. And so he begins chapter 13 by telling us a story the very same day that he talks about these things, verse two. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So the idea is Jesus gets on the lake, there's this little boat, he's, he's, he's kind of you know, uh, uh, pull, pushing away from the shore and he's kind of forming a little bit of an amphitheater and everybody's standing to listen to him. So he stood on the shore, or they, people stood on the shore, and then he told them many things in parables saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, we don't do a lot of parables. We don't talk about parables a lot, but in that day, uh, it was basically a story with a point. That's what Jesus, he's like, I'm gonna tell you a story, and it's gonna have a point. Back then, I know it's gonna be shocking, they didn't have Netflix. They didn't have Netflix in Jesus' day. They didn't have Hulu, didn't have Instagram, didn't have TikTok, didn't have iPods, iPads, iMacs. Even before books were readily available, there were stories. Stories were the media of the day. Now just look at this for a second. So Jesus uses the media of the day to communicate what eternity is all about. And he, and he, uses, he uses farming. He talked, and you know why he does that? It's because he's talking to farmers. He's talking to people who understand farming. How many farmers do we have? There are literally no farmers here, not even one. So the analogy, the analogy may not hit you the same as it hit them back in first century Jerusalem, all right? But what I wanna talk about, what I wanna draw a point to is, is that Jesus is talking in a way that people understand. This is really important. He's using the media of the day and he's using an illustration that people can understand. I think this is so important for us because, because Jesus was a great teacher. I mean, you gotta think about how, how deep Jesus' teaching would have been, right? I mean, is there any teaching deeper than Jesus's? I mean, he has to be the best teacher. He's Jesus. But you know what, it's interesting in church, a lot of times people will be like, you know, man, I'm just looking for deep teaching. I want something deep. Deep. Have you ever heard someone say like, oh, pastor was good today. He was deep. Deep, deep, deep. Oh, what did he talk about? I have no idea. It was way over my head. But it was deep. 
Let me just tell you this. Deep teaching is not teaching you cannot understand. That's bad teaching. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> deep teaching, deep teaching is stuff that you can understand and then actually do something with. And, and I, I just want to say I, I hope that we will always be that kind of church. Because it seems to be that churches get off track with this. We start very, all oh, we want to reach people. But then we have to become like all like tricky with the communication of it. No, Jesus is simple. God so loved the world that he gave. It's simple. It's powerful. And when we apply it, what Jesus is going to hit in this, in this passage is, is the power is not in how deep it is. It is how much you understand and actually apply it. Well, look at this. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Now, the paths in those days were revolutionary because, because they were known as the Roman roads. And they were, they, they, basically, Rome had made these very well-worn paths where troops could walk on and get to different places quickly. And that was uncommon in that day. That was very unusual. So these were very well-worn, uh, strong, solid, difficult, hard paths that soldiers had walked on, that animals had walked on, that wagons had been over. So this is a well-worn path. And he says, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Now, what I want us to see here is that it's not the seed's fault that it didn't germinate. What Jesus is saying, it's not even the sower's fault that the seed didn't germinate. What he's saying, it's the condition of the soil. Whether, whether, it is whether the, the soil or whether the seed gets planted is the soil's fault. That's the first soil. And this soil rejects the seed because it's too hard. You could say that it's hard-hearted, okay? Look at this, verse 5. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It had a little bit of soil, but not much soil. So it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. This seed falls on rocky places. Now, Israel is mostly rocky. So like it's rocky everywhere. So this would not have been uncommon. It's very common to have just a little bit of soil. So, but this springs up, but the same sun that brings it up also takes it out. And that's what Jesus is saying. Verse seven, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So this is another word for thorns would have been weeds. So this is where weeds grow up, thorny weeds that grow up and choke out the life of the plant. So there's the three soils, but then there's the good soil. Verse eight, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, did you hear that, y'all? Hundred fold return. 100x return. How many investors would like a 100x return on your investments? <laughs> I mean, even 30, even 30-fold. That's better than Tesla. That's better than Apple. That's a good return on your investment. And Jesus is saying, man, you can have that type of investment on the thing that matters most in your life. Jesus, please tell me, what do I need to do? Verse 9, whoever has ears... Let them hear. It's like if, if you're willing, if you're open, if you, want, if you want to know God, God will reveal himself to you. Whoever has ears, 
let him hear. Then he goes through the next several verses, and he explains what parables are and what he's trying to do. And basically, he's trying to say, like, I'm, I'm looking for those that are looking for me. You can read that on your own as well. But then he skips down to verse 18, and he explains what this parable means. All right, so now he gave us the parable, and now he's going to give us what the, what the parable means. He's, he gave us the illustration. Now he's going to give us the key to the map, as it were. Verse 18, he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So they have a lot of hearing. They're hearing, but they're not understanding. They're hearing the word. They're having seeds sown into their life, but their heart is calloused. It's hard, and I don't know. It could be for a variety of reasons, but for whatever reason... It's not penetrating into their soul. It's gone. The enemy comes and snatches it away before it's able to do any good. Verse 20. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy. So they get all excited. This is a new convert. Have you ever seen a new convert? There's nothing more exciting than a new believer in Christ, right? They just get so excited. I mean, God's answering every prayer. They have that, like, post-salvation glow. It's like, God is real. They're seeing God everywhere. Like, God, did you see what? That's God. And we're like, yes, I know. They're like, that's amazing. They're freaking out because like, this is actually real. And we're like, well, yeah, we know. It's crazy, right? They get all excited. God starts answering prayer. But then some, some things start choking it out. Start choking it out. Look at verse 21. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. For when trouble or persecution comes, only because of the word, they quickly fall away. So they get a little bit of challenge. They get a little bit of difficulty. And all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? It was good, but nah, that's a lot of trouble. Being a Christian is a little challenging. I think I'm good. I think I'll just go do my own worldly thing. Next one. The seed following along the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Weeds are growing up around the good plants. So this, this soil has some germination effect. It's a good soil. So the seed is growing, but weeds are also growing. Anybody ever plant a garden? Weeds are the worst. Can I get an amen? It's so annoying. And so these weeds are, are crowding out. And he's saying what those weeds are, are worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Pay attention. Put a pin in that. We'll come back to that in a second. But then he says, verse 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and what? Come on, everybody say it with me. Understands it. It's hearing and understanding. It's not just knowledge. Knowledge, the Bible says, puffs up. It makes you think, it makes you get, think you're better than somebody else. But it's not, just, it's not just gaining more knowledge. It's gaining more understanding. Essentially saying it's using wisdom. And what is wisdom? It's knowledge applied. It's applying what you understand. And then he says, this is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Okay, now here's the summary, and we're going to break this down. Four soils. Four soils. I believe that this is four different types of people. And then I also believe that this can be a believer in four different types of seasons. 
So this is four different types of people. Some people are receiving the word, but this is also a believer in four different seasons. You may find yourself in one of these seasons today. You may find yourself in one of these seasons. So I want to break this down and just and allow, allow God's fertilizer just to fertilize our soil and just make us fruitful because I, know, I don't know about you, but if this is the most important thing, I want to be fruitful. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, so here, here, here's, here, it looks like getting it. That's, that's what I believe Jesus is trying to get us to understand. It looks like getting it. Number one, he wants us to get prioritized. He wants us to get patient. He wants us to get picking, and then he wants us to get planting. There's four Ps. That's alliteration. That's that Bible degree coming in handy. Thank you, Central Bible College. All right. I want to break these things down. Before we do, I want you to turn to three people and say, hey, man, do you get it? Come on, ask three people. Say, hey, do you get it? I want you to get it. Take a few moments, just break these things down. Number one, Jesus is trying to help us get prioritized. Get prioritized. Verse four, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Came and ate it up. This is the path. I wanna, I wanna draw your attention to the fact that the path is where everybody is walking. The path is where everybody's at. The path is where the party is. The path is where the world travels. And you would think where everybody's at, that's where the life is. Nope, it's not how it works, usually, usually, because where everybody at is at most of the time is not where God's seed can grow in our heart. Man, this is such an important point to make in our world today. If you want your soul to be satisfied, it's not gonna be where the world is. I'm just, I'm just saying, there, the kingdom of God, this is the point that Matthew is trying to make to us. The kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of the world. It's different. It looks different. The world has different priorities. The world has, has different values. So if you start following God, don't be surprised if your values look different than theirs. Don't be surprised if you start caring about other things than they care about. And if you want your soul to be satisfied, you might look a little different than the world. Or if you look a lot like the world, don't be surprised if your soul isn't satisfied. That's what Jesus is saying. Romans chapter 12, do not conform to the pattern. Everybody say pattern. pattern. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God has a will for you. He is revealing it to you. And let me just tell you this. It does not look like the world. The world has a pattern. It's the pattern of the flesh. It's the pattern of selfishness. It's the pattern of sinfulness. And it is moving against God's pattern. It's moving in the other direction. And if you want fruit in your life, don't get on the, Lord, or the world's path. You need to get on the Lord's path. And the Lord's path may be a little bit smaller than the world's path. In fact, Jesus says this, right? He says, he says, wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction, and many find it. But narrow the gate and narrow the path that leads to life, and only a few find it. Why would he say that? Because what everybody else is doing is wrong. 
is wrong. I mean, what most people are doing is wrong. So where the world is, there is no life. Let me just say this. If it's popular, there's a good chance it's not spiritually healthy. Think about that for a moment. You know, there's a uh, there's commercial, the uh, progressive insurance commercial, Flo. You guys know Flo. She's great. Flo's great. I love the commercials. I think they're a blast. But the whole idea is that, you know, Flo makes insurance easy, you know? And I don't know if progressive is better than Geico. I'm not saying that. This is not a public service announcement. I don't know. But I do know this, that going with the flow may work for insurance, but it does not work with your spirituality. It does not work with your spirituality. In fact, the easy way is usually the wrong way. It's usually the wrong way. That's why we've got to get prioritized. Jesus is trying to help us get prioritized. Let me ask you, is Jesus the most important thing in your life? Jesus says that that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. There is a priority to saying, God, you are the most important thing. And I'm I'm not gonna let narratives of the world or society tell me what my values are. You are my value. You are the most important thing. I'm not going to let CNN, I'm not going to let MSNBC, I'm not even going to let Fox News tell me what my values are. I'm going to let Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, be the greatest thing in my life, and that is what is going to determine what's important to me. I'm going to live with priority. We need to get prioritized. Jesus is trying to help us do that. Second, he's trying to help us get patient. Everybody say, get patient. Verse 5, some fell on rocky places where did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. And the seed, this, that's the first part. Jesus gives us the explanation. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution come, because of the word, they quickly fall away. This person gets excited about God. But because they are excited about God, and that's an important thing to to look at right here, because of the word, let me just say this. Living for God is the best thing. It's the most important thing. But when you live for God, the enemy does not like it. The enemy does not like it. And he is going to bring persecution towards you in any way that he possibly can. Could be in your home could be at your work, could be in your neighborhood. They see the light and darkness does not like it. Darkness will attack it because the enemy wants to take you out. He does not like seeing you blessed by God. And these people, the people who fall on rocky places, when the going gets tough, they get gone. They just leave. They're like, oh, this is too hard. This doesn't sound fun. I thought, I thought Christianity was supposed to be a party. I thought there were loaves and fishes everywhere. I thought it was water walking. I thought it was going to be amazing. I thought it was going to be miraculous. And it looks a lot like persecution. Listen, persecution is real. And maybe some of you are experiencing that in your family. In fact, some of you are looking towards Thanksgiving and you're like, ah, I'm not looking forward to that. Because you've got people in your family that cannot wait to make fun of you for your beliefs. They cannot, make, they cannot wait to persecute you. And maybe your whole family doesn't pray, but you're over there praying for your food. And they're like, oh, wait, what are you doing over there? Praying. <laughs> P 
people, people will do whatever, whatever they can. And, it, and here's what you have to understand. It's the enemy trying to get you off your game. It's a persecution. And we need to be patient because what Jesus says is the son, the very same son that is, that is causing these, these plants to die out is also the son that will keep them growing and make them grow. And the reality is that's what James talks about in James chapter one because it's an, the same thing that can take us out can actually make us stronger. That's why James will say, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So when you're experiencing persecution, when you're experiencing testing, when people are making fun of you, that's an opportunity for you to say, God, what do you have for me here? How do you want to make me stronger? How do you want to make me better? How can I be more focused on you? I'm not going to let this thing take me out. I'm going to help. I'm going to let it set me up. It can make you stronger. It can draw you closer. I've seen people who when they go through the most difficult of situations and circumstances, they lean into God like never before. And you know what? They find him. When you seek him, you will find him. And sometimes the difficult situations cause us to draw close and God comes through for us in a powerful, powerful way. We just need to be patient. I know for me, some of my most fruitful times have been in my spiritual journey when I've been up against it. When I felt like, man, this is terrible. This, I feel like I'm being attacked. I feel like this is, this is the enemy. He's trying to take me out. Yes, he is trying to take you out, but God is also trying to lift you up. He's trying to lift you up. We receive the word of God by being patient. Some of you, maybe you're just going through a situation right now where you're feeling persecuted. I want to encourage you, be patient. Be patient. Put your trust in the Lord. Put your hope in God. He will never let the righteous be forsaken. Third, third thing that Jesus would tell us to do is to get picking. Everybody say, get picking. Get picking. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Verse 21, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. How many of you like gardening. Raise your hand if you like gardening. I know we're not farmers. We clearly established that, but, but you like gardening. We'll call ourselves mini farmers. Mini farmers. Um, my dad, we grew up in the Detroit area, so not close to farms. I had to drive a long way to see anything that it was an animal that wasn't a dog or a cat or a squirrel. And so, but my dad loved gardening. And the soil in Michigan is beautiful. It's so rich and lush. Everything grows there. And um, my dad had in, literally an award-winning garden. We lived on a corner, uh, uh, corner lot and all, like in the backyard, all the way around, he had gardens, all different types of gardens. He had rock gardens. He had like little waterfalls. He had a rose garden. He had vegetable garden. And he would win awards by the city for it. So, which was fun for him and meant a lot of work for his servants, I mean his kids. <laughs> I'm not lying. Before we would do anything fun, we'd have to go out and pull weeds. 
We didn't have to go pull weeds. And uh, it was, you just got to pull those weeds. Because if you let those weeds go, they would take over. And they would choke out the life of the, of the, of the fruit, of the plants, of the vegetables, whatever it was. So you had to be very faithful to pick the weeds. And Jesus is, is talking about the weeds that choke out the life. And, he, and he, he uses two examples. He uses the worries of this life. And then he uses the deceitfulness of wealth. Worries and the deceitfulness of wealth will choke out the life of God's spirit in your heart. It's interesting that in spite of having it arguably better than ever, in terms of comfort, in terms of, you know, all of the conveniences that we have, we're more worried than ever. We're more worried than ever. I want you to know that's the enemy's game. The enemy wants you to be worried about what you can't control, worried about what's happening all over uh, the world. I, be I believe, honestly, it's just, it's, it's, it's part of this society, this 24-hour news cycle we have to care about everything and every place and all the time. And if you don't care about it enough to cause you to post about it, then you are a terrible human being. And the reality is we're not supposed to care about all of that. We're supposed to care about God. We're supposed to care about the things that God has entrusted to us. We're supposed to care about him and we're supposed to trust him. Trust him. And then he says the deceitfulness of wealth. He says the deceitfulness of wealth. It's the lie that you need something else to be happy. It's the lie that, man, oh, if you could just get that one other thing, if you get one more thing, if you get one more blessing, if you get, oh, man, if you could just make a little bit more money, if you could have just a little bit bigger house, then things would be great for you. But those things don't satisfy. They never have, and they never will. So when you see the worries creeping up, when you see the lies of greed creeping up, you need to pick it. You need to pick them. Just start picking. Be like, nope, that's not, that's a lie. I need to, I need to pick that out. Nope, nope. God is still in control. God is still good. I'm not going to be worried. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to pick that little lie right out. I'm not going to be stressed out. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be nervous. I'm not going to get greedy. I'm going to pick that lie out and I'm going to believe God. Can I get an amen? So get picking and then get planting. Get planting. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. It's the person who hears it and understands it, evidenced by the way they apply it. By the way they apply it. Jesus will say something similar in John chapter 13 before he goes to the cross. He says in verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. James chapter one says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. 
hearing God's word, understanding God's word, applying God's word, and doing God's word, that's where we have fruitfulness. That's where we have life. I want you to know that God wants you to have life. God wants you to be full. God wants you to be fruitful. God wants you to walk in abundance, overflowing life. That's what God has for you. And the enemy is, is set on taking that from you. But if you will hear God's word, and you will meditate on God's word, and you will understand God's word, and you will apply God's word, you will be fruitful. You'll have 30, 60, 100 times return. You will be overflowing with the thing that matters most, life coming from your heart. But Jesus says, wells of living water flowing out of them. I wanna ask you, I wanna ask you, where are you today? Have you allowed your heart to become hard? Maybe you're so, you're so in the world that when you look at your life, you're like, man, there's really no difference between my life, the way I think, and the way the world thinks. Maybe you're just, maybe you're just allowing so much influence of the world into your heart, into your soul, that you're thinking more like the world than you are thinking like God. Change that. Change that. Get prioritized. Say, you know what? I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to seek God. I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to get into my Bible, and I'm going to let God's word speak to my heart. You know, we're going through the Bible in a year. I encourage you to jump in. Join us. It's powerful. We're going to get ready in a few weeks to do Advent. So families, moms, dads, husbands, wives, get ready. Let's do Advent together. Let's go through the Bible. Let's, let's spend time thinking about God letting those seeds germinate our heart. So maybe you need to get prioritized today. Or maybe you feel under attack. Maybe you're getting persecuted. Maybe for you, you're thinking about the holidays and you're not looking forward to it. And you're, getting, you're wanting to give up. I want to encourage you to be patient. Or you're chasing wealth. You're, chasing the, you're letting the worries of this world mess with you. Get picking. The good news of the gospel is this. If you'll, let, if you'll let the word of God penetrate your soul, it will change everything about you and he will bring real life, real hope, real joy. Amen? We stand with me all across this place. Let's take a moment. And whatever inventory you need to do today, I just wanna encourage you just to let God speak to your heart. Do you have a hard heart? Have you let weeds get in there? Are you going through some persecution? Open your heart and say, God, I wanna let you in. And I wanna let you do what you wanna do. I want you to have your way. Would you just take a moment, would you, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that you, that you lead us. That you, that, you, that you show us what you want us to do. Father, we just pray that you would have your way, that you would do what you would call us to do. Father, that we would respond to you, that our hearts would be fertile ground. That's the most important thing about us. We pray that we would respond. We would say yes. We would yield to you. We would let you have your way in our hearts, Lord God. Whatever we, whatever we need to adjust, 
We just give you, we just give you some time right now. We'll give you room to have your way.